All right, we'll go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. Uh, my name's Clint. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Village, and it's good to see each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 today, so you can go ahead and turn them there. Uh, we'll be in Luke 2. We're going to be covering uh, verses 8 through uh, 20, so uh, you'll want to get there. But uh, it's, uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, but it, it, it is full-blown uh, Christmas. Uh, and so I hope, I hope that you got the memo. Uh, I hope that you are getting yourself into Christmas mode. Uh, this is uh, a, a Christian holiday. It is the celebration of the coming of our King, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, I pray that we ought to celebrate like that happened. Uh, and so I would encourage you to do that uh, in, in whatever form it may be, but uh, make sure you are uh, about that this season. And so uh, this morning we're kicking off our Christmas series. Uh, It is called um, uh, Light Comes to Darkness, I think. Uh, But uh, today's title of the sermon is Christmas is Good News. All right. Christmas is good news. And so uh, that is what I hope that we can see uh, this morning is that Christmas is all good news. Uh, It's all from God. It's all his work. It's all what he's done. And so we're not celebrating uh, what we've done, but rather we're celebrating what he has done. And so Christmas is all of good news. God, uh, he, he doesn't have problems shopping for gifts. I don't know if that's you, uh, but he has no problem shopping for gifts. He knows what we need. He's given us the perfect gift, and we can do nothing but receive that gift and rejoice. And so while that might be hard for us, in fact, I think it's actually easier for us uh, as human beings, as sinful human beings, to understand Santa Claus. I pray that we understand grace. I pray that we understand good news. I pray that we understand Jesus this morning in this season. And so if you think about it, the world gets Santa. Uh, They they get it. Uh, The good get rewarded. The bad don't. And so if you're a kid or if you're an adult uh, hoping to make the cut this year, hoping that you were good enough, hoping that you did enough good and not too much bad, that you might receive something this, this Christmas, uh, the reality is that's not that good of news. What's better news is Jesus. What's better news is God gives the perfect gift, the greatest gift to people who don't deserve it. And that's all of us. That's a world held captive into sin. And so Christmas is all good news, and it's good news for us as individuals. It's good news if you're a Christian, and it's good news if you're an unbeliever. You need to hear it. You need to turn to it. Uh, And we also need to understand that it's just not our personal news. It is our personal news, but beyond that, God has come to save this world, that God's grace was poured out for this world, for the people around us, and for the creation itself. And so I hope that we realize that this morning. Let's get to the text, Luke 2, 8 to 20. Luke 2, 8 to 20. I'm going to read it through for us, and then we'll get going. Uh, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which is the Lord, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it had been to- as it had been told to them. Number one this morning, Christmas celebrates God's good news for the world. Christmas celebrates God's good news for the world. Uh, if there's one person that we need to hear good news from, uh, it's God. It's, and it's a sovereign God. It's a God who, one, is our judge. He's the one who uh, is going to judge our life. And so he does have a law. He does set the standard. And we fall woefully short of that standard, even if we want to kind of push the standard and pretend that we could get in. We, we can't. But he is our judge. And so our judge has good news for us. And then the second thing is he actually has the power to do something about it. A lot of people have ideas about how we could change ourselves, how we could save ourselves. Uh, You'll hear ideas about uh, how people or how we as a a people of this planet can save the creation, how we can save ourselves. But the reality is we can't even diagnose our problem. Uh, We want to treat a whole bunch of symptoms of the actual problem. And of course, the problem with that is we're treating symptoms, not the disease God knows our need. He knows our diseases. Sin, he knows that we can no longer rid ourselves of sin, the effects of sin, or any of that. Uh, All of our attempts at that are meaningless. It's simply uh, building a Tower of Babel. We'll never build our way to God. We can never deliver ourselves. But the good news is, God can. And so we need good news. The fact that God gives us good news is a big deal. Now, if we had time, uh, we'd look through uh, verses 1 to 7 there in Luke 2, uh, but I'll just give you a quick synopsis. Jesus shows up. He's born, and he's born in total humiliation. He's born in total obscurity. If you you look at that account, I encourage you to this this time of year, read through it. Um, It is the most unspectacular uh, account ever. It's just the facts. <laughs> it's the reality that they were, there was a census. There was Mary and Joseph. She happened to be pregnant. He needed to go to Bethlehem. Uh, so they went, and while they were there, there was no hotel. He failed to make arrangements. Uh, Joseph failed as an illegitimate father. Uh, but, <laughs> but the reality is he, he did. And, uh, of course, the problem is there's nowhere uh, to, to have this baby, there's nowhere to set up, and so they end up in uh, this, this type of manger, a stable amongst the animals, and Jesus is born into a trough, all right? I like the word trough. Uh, manger uh, is a trough, all right? And it's, it's a safe one, don't worry, moms. Uh, it is safe. Uh, Mary laid him in there, and uh, I can't imagine. <laughs> Can you imagine giving birth in this place? Nonetheless, it happened. But there is no 
nothing spectacular in that account, but then we get to the real scoop. Then we get to what God doesn't want us to miss, and we would miss if we didn't hear it from God, if God didn't tell us. And so uh, that's what we see. We see that God clues us in. This is no ordinary birth. This is no obscure birth. This is the most spectacular birth. This is the most important birth. This is the birth that the entire world has been waiting to come. And so he gives the announcement that matches the weight of that. And so that's what we see here. And so I want, to, I want us to just note a couple things from the account that I just read there. Uh, one, God has news for man. Again, that's, that's huge. <laughs> God has not abandoned his world, his creation, uh, the people who bear his image, despite their rebellion against him. He has not abandoned them. He has not been silent. He brings them news. And so that is a good thing. He says, behold, that means listen up, pay attention, right? Pay attention. Uh, and so the reality is while the world uh, may not be interested in God, they may think God is not that interesting and they want no part of him. Uh, God is quite interested in the world. God's quite interested in the world. And that's stunning news. If you think about our culture and the reality that, hey, we need to hear from God. How that's the truth, but it's just laughed at. It's just mocked. But that's exactly what we need. We need to hear from God. We need to hear his good news. The second thing is that God has good news. Now, the shepherds are out in the field in the middle of the night. I think it's safe to say no one in here is a shepherd uh, or, <laughs> or has been. Uh, feel free to free to correct me after the service if that's the case. But the reality is these shepherds are out in the middle of the night. Uh, some of them were probably asleep. They're tending to their sheep and uh, <laughs> out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere, an angel appears. Now, uh, I don't know if you've been camping. I've been camping a few times out in the woods and in pretty remote areas. And the slightest noise <laughs> outside the tent is frightening, <laughs> okay? But this is, a, this is an angel appearing, all right? And, and if you can imagine that, uh, and then beyond that, the glory of the Lord shines around him. And so these shepherds respond with the only response that a sinful person can when the glory of God comes to us, and that's with great fear. That's with great trepidation because all of a sudden holiness has invaded sinners, and we're quite aware of it. And so every place in the Bible where God's holiness comes and is met by sinners, uh, we have the same response, and that is the response of our father Adam in the garden. What did he do? When God comes after his sin, what does he do? He runs and hides. Why? Because he's shame. He has guilt. He knows he's guilty, and we do too. And so when God shows up, what do we do? We run. When light comes into darkness, we flee to the darkness. That is our state as people. And the shepherds certainly must have been fear, fearing that. But understand, this angel says, fear not. Fear not. And then he goes on to say, I bring you good news of great joy. Now that is a staggering reality, but that is what they needed in that moment. And so the third thing that I want us to notice is that God has good news of great joy that will be for all people. He has good news for these shepherds, and he has good news for everyone 
on the earth, and his news includes the people like these shepherds. And these shepherds were uh, kind of the lowly of the low on the social ladder. They were outcasts. These were rough dudes, uh, temporary workers, not much else for them to do. Uh, you, could <laughs> you could think of our parking team here. Just kidding, guys. Uh, but seriously, I am, ki- I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I've been out there, so I can make the joke. Uh, but, but, but the reality is these are uh, folks who, who are, are in this, and it's not a high esteem job. Um, get this too. Uh, oftentimes, uh, because of the Pharisees' extra biblical law, they were deemed unclean. They, they worked seven days a week. They were unclean. They could not come to worship. And uh, again, most of that was extra biblical Pharisaical law. Uh, so they could have, but uh, they, they, were, they were ostracized by the religious. Elite. The other thing to notice about these shepherds is that um, their word doesn't stand in court. Their word doesn't stand in court. So pretty much they're the most unreliable people. If your word, if you can't testify in court, that says quite a bit. And so um, God shows up to these dudes. Uh, he's like, this will be good people to take this good news to other people. Uh, but that's how God works. So uh, God, uh, the, uh, number four, the good news is that God has sent his son and that his son has been given unto man to save man. We learn about what this good news is. It's the coming of a savior. It's the coming of a redeemer, somebody who will deliver his people. It's the coming of the Messiah, the promised king, the one who has been predicted, the one who has been prophesied is finally here. He's finally here, and he is none other than God himself. (laughs) He's none other than God himself. God is here in a manger in the form of the son, and he subjected himself to that Uh, Not because he thought that was a cool thing to do, but to just save the entire planet. All those who will come to him, he came to save. He will redeem and restore his creation and all of his own. And so that is good news to understand. He has come to reconcile us to God, and we could not do this. Now, if you heard that's who's here in a manger uh, as a shepherd, despite hearing this from an angel, you're going to think, man, the Messiah, wait, the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, he's here, and he's in a manger? <laughs> They're thinking maybe a palace, you know, maybe some, the, the nice place, the nice part of town. No, he's here, and he's in a manger, and he stooped to our level. He condescended to put on flesh in order to save this creation. And so this is good news. Then they see this multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the angels are rejoicing at the work of God here. They're rejoicing that God has finally sent the one who can do what we can't do. He's finally sent the one who can rescue uh, captives who are held captive to the curse of sin and death. He's finally here. And so we know that God makes good on his promises. We're talking about a God who predicts, who prophesizes what he's going to do, and then he does it. Okay? You're not in that picture. We're not in that picture. This is God's work. This is what he has done. This is why it's good news. After Adam and Eve sinned in the garden where God was with them, sin and death have held us captive ever since. Now, we were made to live in fellowship with God, to have peace with him, 
But since the garden, that hasn't existed. There's been no peace with God for sinners. And so even in Genesis 3.15, we see uh, just a few chapters into the Bible that God is a good God who is going to save his people, and he's going to do it through the work of his son to his glory. And so in Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This was the day when that snake crusher, the serpent killer, the one who was going to come to lift the curse, had actually arrived. His time had come. God had sent him. It was at the perfect time. Yes, it happened that there was a census, but we all know that that census was arranged by God. We all know that he is the one who's going to bring into the world his Savior, his own Son, Jesus our Lord. And so uh, as, as time goes on uh, and Jesus starts his actual ministry, he will confirm this, and that's what we see in Luke 4. This is the fulfillment of what God had, had prophesied, what he pr- predicted, what he promised, and what he brought to being. Luke 4, 17, 21 says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place, this is Jesus, where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Messiah was here. Christ was here. And so Christmas guys, we need to understand, is utterly good news about what God has done. It's utterly good news about what God has done. It's not news about what you have or haven't done. (laughs) There's none of that in here. It's not news about what you have or haven't done. It's news about what God has done. It's not advice on what we need to get right with God, but rather it's news about what God has done to make us right with him. Okay, this is good news. It is not advice on how to change or how we can change or how we can change the world. It is news about what God has done to save the world. Okay? The gospel is good news. It's not good news for mostly good people who just need some pro tips and they, can, might, they might get it together. It's good news for dead sinners. It's good news for people who cannot give themselves life, but God has come in order to give them life that only he can give. This is God's unilateral move to save us. And understand this, this is all of grace. This is a gift. This is not a wage. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It is a gift. And the worst thing you can do with a gift is try to pay it back. The worst thing that you can do with a gift is not receive it. The worst thing that you can do with a gift is say, when the gift giver says, I'm giving it to you, here it is, take it, is to say, I don't deserve it. Or to not receive it. Or to try to taint that gift with something in your own being that you kind of deserve it. Friends, Christmas is the good news, and this good news is what changes lives. Number two this morning, God's good news changes lives. God's good news changes lives. It's this good news of God that changes lives, and I think we see this in this account. 
I think it's easy to see in this account because if you look at the shepherds, um, that they ended up doing something that if you would have told them a day before, hey, you're going to go visit a manger, there's going to be a baby there, and you're going to tell them all the things that I tell about him to the parents. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but that's a pretty weird thing to do. All right, I don't know if you've ever shown up. I, I barely want to show up uh, in a delivery room uh, for, for, our, for my friends, folks. But uh, to show up in a stranger's delivery room and to talk to them about uh, their son and, and to be a shepherd, uh, one, that's weird for you. And the parents are going to be like, what are these guys doing here? Okay, I don't know who you had in your delivery room, uh, but it probably wasn't a bunch of uh, rough shepherds, <laughs> and you're probably grateful. But the reality is, this grace, this news that God gives them, is what moves them there. It changed their lives. And so understand that nobody who receives the good news of God is left unchanged. No one who receives the gospel is left unchanged, and it is that good news that changes us. And I think we struggle with this. I think we struggle with it, and hopefully we'll be able to see uh, part of the problem. And so they go, they find this baby. Uh, what do they do? They make all of what God made known to them, known to them. They didn't go, they didn't presumably, there's nothing in the text that shows they went there and thought twice about sharing it. They went with great joy, and they just gave them the news. <laughs> they just said what God told them. Okay, that's an amazing idea. <laughs> All right, it's an amazing idea, and we should probably follow it. All right, the good news changed them, and it will change you. Now, from the first day of salvation and each day of the Christian life, understand, Christian, you need God's good news. You need the good news that God has, uh, has, has given you undeserved favor, that he's saved you, that he's rescued you, that you can be overwhelmed by that reality. You can be overwhelmed by God's grace, or you can be overwhelmed by the reality that you're trying to earn God's grace, that you've rejected the gift, that you are nullifying the grace that God has given in order to prove yourself to God when he's already done what's necessary for that to happen. This is our problem. We get Santa, we don't get grace. Grace is much harder to understand, and it's much more shocking than simple law, than simple, hey, do this, and you get this. No, the gospel always ought to be surprising to us. It always is good news. You always need the gospel. You need it. Luther says, as he says, something to the effect of we need to pound it into our skulls. As sinners, we don't want to be given gifts we want to prove ourselves worthy, but we're not. But the good news is God sent one who is. And so we need to feed on that gospel. But understand, when you do that, that good news is what's going to propel you into the places that you don't actually really want to go without it. It's the good news, and when it hits us, it ought to take us somewhere. And I think some of the reasons why we don't do We're not obeying God to the point that we want to. We're not doing the things that he's called us to do is because we're not letting grace take us there. We're trying to do it under our own power, and we're trying to earn it. We're trying to perform for God. We're trying to do those things, and when that happens, it's not going to work. 
Doug Wilson uh, writes this. He says that God's grace is a tsunami that will carry us all away and deposit us in places we would not have anticipated all of them good. Now, uh, a tsunami is not something uh, that you want to be involved in, but you do want the tsunami of God's grace. And when that hits you, it takes you somewhere. Our problem is when the grace of God comes to us, we don't want it to take us where it's going to take us. We don't want to lose control of our lives. We want to cling to control of our lives. He wants to feed us more like a fire hose, and we want to sip lattes. Okay, God's grace is what we need, and he makes it crystal clear, and there's no reason why we're not looking at it other than we want control. We don't want it to do what we know it will do, and so we resist it. So we resist it. And so the reality is, this grace hits these shepherds. It's good news. Again, they, ha they have no value of their own. They have no works to point to. They're, they don't deserve an angel showing up and telling them that there's a Savior there, but they hear it, and they do what? They go with the flow. They go with the wave. They don't try to resist. They don't say, ah, oh, man, not tonight. <laughs> really? Tonight? Uh, I mean, I'm glad that you gave me good news, God, but this is my real problem. This is really what I need fixed in my life right now. This is really what I need to focus on. No, God says, this is the good news. Behold. That's what he does. And so we need to pay attention to that. See, when the grace hits us, we will relinquish control of our lives and we'll go where it takes us. That's what happened to Paul. In Galatians 1, 23 through 24, it says this. It's about Saul, who became Paul. And this is what it says about him when the grace of God came to him. It says, they, were only, <clears throat> they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of him. Now Paul got... He received the grace of God. He received the good news that there wasn't enough. All of his, all of his works, all of his self-righteousness, none of it was worth anything in comparison to the, the glory of knowing Christ and receiving him as Savior. And this is the reality that we need to allow to happen. God's grace to Paul, the chief of sinners, changed his heart. It, it, he stopped persecuting Christians and he started propagating the message to the point where people didn't know what to do. People who were scared of him were now thankful for him. They glorified God for him. But there's another side of this, and one that is a problem. Let's look at uh, what do we see in Jonah. Um, consider him for a moment. He was an Israelite. Now Jonah knew of God's great mercy and his grace for sinners. He knew that there was good news for Nineveh. Terrible, horrendous city that he did not want to see saved. And what did he do? Well, God sent him there to call the people to repentance. Jonah 4, 1 to 4 says this, But it displeased Jonah, this is after preaching repentance and after Nineveh turning uh, and receiving uh, the grace of God for their sin, uh, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Jonah was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? 
That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, (laughs) for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, "Do do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? See, Jonah wanted to play God. Jonah didn't want God to change him so much that he would actually become like God. He wanted to see Nineveh burn. (laughs) He wanted Nineveh to get what they deserved. And by the way, they deserved it. They deserved God's judgment. They deserved uh, damnation. They deserved uh, penalty. But God didn't give it to them, and Jonah didn't like it. See, the question for us is, are we being more like Jonah, or are we being more like Paul? Jonah is, again, attempting to be God instead of becoming like God. Jonah wasn't ready to receive sinners. The question is, are we? Are we? God's given us this grace, and he wants us to be conduits of it. He does not want us to be dams of it. We need to be conduits of it. Friends, um, we need the good news of God. It will change us. It it needs to come to you. It has come to you. But the question is, uh, will it stop with you? And it can't. Uh, God means for his grace to run through us to others and not stop with us. So number three this morning, good news must be shared. Good news must be shared. You know, I think it's, um, if you really get good news, um, it, it's pretty difficult not to tell anybody. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. Uh, but it's pretty difficult. If you believe it's really good news, it's really difficult for you not to tell anybody. There isn't better news than this. There isn't better news than this news comes from God. And so we ought to, one, be joyful, and then two, share it. God didn't come uh, for these shepherds. He didn't come just for them. He didn't come just for Israel. But again, he comes for the entire World, And so we need to understand that God has declared himself as wanting to give grace to this world full of condemned sinners. And so we need to just go with that. First Timothy uh, 2, 4 says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, uh, we of course know that not everyone's going to be saved, but our guiding principle ought to be aligned with the heart of God, uh, I would think, Right? If God wants to give grace to this world, if he sent his son to die for this world, if his, uh, if his work on the cross is sufficient to save sinners, then we ought to find some sinners. <laughs> we ought to be on the lookout for them because we have news for them. We ought not to be ignoring them. We ought not to be just simply judging them. We ought not to be like Jonah, hoping that God burns them. Uh, we ought to be eager to take that good news with them. Take that good news with and to them. So uh, that is what we need to do. This is God's intent. It must be ours. If he's bent on saving this world, so must we. Now, uh, look at it. Who did the shepherds tell? Everybody. <laughs> I don't know who was there other than Joseph and Mary, but they told Everyone who was there. They, they, there wasn't a person that they sought to avoid telling. Everyone was there, and everyone got told. And so this is very simple. It's not complicated. Uh, and the reality is we need to just 
take it. That, that is what we need to do. We need to share the gospel with everybody. They didn't consider uh, if these people that possibly were there were going to be, you know, they didn't look at them and be like, man, <laughs> I think this person's beyond the grace of God. <laughs> I don't know, man. So much would have to happen for that person to come to Christ. They're just not a good candidate. Okay? That's not anywhere in our instruction manual, <laughs> okay? We're to go to sinners to take this good news and to just give it to everybody. It's a pretty simple playbook. Uh, we're to go, we're to tell them what God's done. We're to declare the good news. And so we often, I think, marvel at God's grace, but then we see some sinners and we're like, eh, <laughs> I don't know, okay? <laughs> Like, we either believe in the grace of God or we don't. We either believe that he's might as save or he isn't. Okay, and so when you look at people and you don't think that they can be saved, the problem is you're not looking at God. You're not looking at what he's done. You're not remembering what he's done for you. And so, friends, this Christmas, if there's anything that you need to see, it's that God has sent his son to save sinners like you, and that's good news. Okay, he obviously is interested in saving people. So ought we to be. Okay, he did come for this world. Now we could become like the Pharisaic, Pharisaic Israel of the time where we uh, try to think that, man, thank goodness God chose us. Thank goodness we're the ones, but somehow we can't see how anyone else could be part of Israel. We can't understand how anyone else could actually be saved. And we don't think they ought to be. Like, we can get to that place if we're not careful. See, that was Pharisaic Israel. That was them. They weren't interested in the Gentiles being saved. They couldn't imagine how God would save Gentiles. So what did God do? Well, he came to some shepherds. He came to some people who were ready to receive that good news and then go declare it. And so God wants his grace to flow through us. <clears throat> God's grace is sufficient to save sinners, and we must remember that. Too often, I think we're so consumed with trying to grow as Christians, and that's a good thing. We ought to be being discipled. We ought to be growing as disciples. We ought to be looking at the things that God has told us to do. We need that. Jesus does need to be our, our example. Uh, all those things are good, but the primary thing that we need is good news. And so my question is, are you feeding yourself a healthy diet of good news? Is your attention on the fact that God wants to give grace to sinners like you, or is your attention on you and how well you're doing? and what it is you're doing, and what it is that you're not doing. See, you need the grace of God. You need the gospel pounded into your skull. That's what we need. We all need that. And so, um, in Acts 26, uh, 18, uh, we see Paul, and we see his understanding of his mission here. In verse 18, it says, this is uh, what Paul sees himself as doing, to open the eyes. God sent him to open, open their eyes. Open the eyes of sinners so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 
Rather, this is, uh, so the, the reality here, guys, is that um, we need to go declare news. Sharing the gospel is declaring news, and that's what, that's what these shepherds did. They went and shared the news, the account, the narrative of what God did, what he promised to do, then what he did, and they just went and told it. <laughs> and friends, that's what sharing the gospel is like, telling people, who God is, what he's done, and this, friends, is the narrative of Scripture from beginning to end. See, the world has no idea what's in the Scripture. The world has no idea anything about God. They think things about him, but they don't know the God of the Bible. They don't know the God who created the universe. They don't know the God who is saving this universe. They don't know the God who sent his own son. They don't know the God of the Bible. And so, friends, much like the shepherds, we need to go and reveal what God has told us. <laughs> it's that simple. There's no technique. There's no, there are techniques. I take that back. Okay? There, there are things that you can do, but the reality is, fundamentally, we need to declare what God has done to people. Now, this Christmas season, friends, we have an opportunity. We have a window of what some would call favor with the culture. It's a great time to share the good news about what God's done by sending his son Jesus with the people around you. Christmas is a great time for this. It's not that no time is a great time. It is that Christmas affords us good, uh, good, good grounds for actually sharing the gospel. And so this Christmas, I want to encourage you, one, to receive this news, and two, to actually celebrate Christmas. Go all out. I think we've been doing this as a church. Uh, I think, I think we, we ought to need to do more. We want to celebrate this event because it is this event. Okay, Our celebration needs to match the event. So I, I think that we need to do that. And uh, beyond that, I don't know who you can share the, the good news with. I don't, but you do. Um, and that's really for you guys to figure out. It's really for all of us to figure out who can we share the good news with. Now, uh, some of you uh, know people that you could share the gospel with right now. Maybe you've known them for a while. Maybe you've wanted to share the good news with them. Maybe you've put it off. But the reality is you, you have some people that you could share the good news with. But maybe you're in here and you're a person who doesn't know anybody. Maybe you've shared the good news with all the people that you know. Friend, you need to find some more people. <laughs> like, God went out to find some sinners, and he received them. That's, that, was the, that was Israel's problem with him. He's receiving sinners. Okay, he's, he's finding sinners, and he's preaching the good news to them. Friend, that's what we need to do. If you don't know anybody, well, now's a great time to take some steps to get to know some people. Uh, this uh, holiday season, hospitality and generosity go a long way and are usually easily received, easy to do. And so I would submit to you, use them. That's not sharing the gospel, but if you do those things and you do them from a good heart with good intentions and you do it no strings attached, chances are you'll get a chance to share the gospel with those people at some point. Friends, Christmas is also always a good time to invite people to New Year's, or New Year's, uh, Christmas Eve service. <laughs> you can invite them to New Year's, but we won't be here. Um, don't do that. Uh, you do need to invite them to Christmas Eve. Invite people. People are looking for a place to go. We always declare the gospel here. It's our, 
Uh, it's our great privilege to do that. And so uh, everybody invite people to Christmas Eve, but you've got a month, okay? We all know how things work. Unless you have a plan, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Make a plan, find some sinners, and get to work. Application points. Number one, receive God's good news for yourself. Receive God's good news for yourself. Again, Christmas is a celebration not of what you have done or not done, but of what God has done. Friends, focus on that. See it. He sent his son to become a man, to live under the law, to free us from the curse of sin and death. Number two, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. Friend, you need good news. There's not any one of us in here who doesn't need the good news of God's grace to us each and every day. Friend, beat it into your head. Preach the gospel to yourself. Second, or third, declare God's good news to all with haste. That word's in there, haste. I like that word because in our minds, we'll always get around to it. There's always the days that we may have or we may not have, but we always think we'll get around to it. Friends, they didn't wait around. That night they went and saw and told. That's what we need to do. We need to do this with haste. We need to actually do it. 